Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan and I will be your host. Today we're back at WeSpace in Zurich and have a chat with Estefania Tapias about female entrepreneurship. Of course, we talk about the mistakes that she sees Swiss startups making repeatedly when it comes to the topic, but we also talk about how we can actually increase the number of female leaders in top executive positions in Switzerland. Today, there are still only 20% female leaders in top positions. And of course, heavily related to that is also the the women quota, as we call it, which has been heavily quoted in Swiss newspapers. And we talk whether that makes sense or not and what we can actually do in order to have more female leaders in top positions. And last but not least in today's episode, Estefania will also give you hands-on recommendations, how you can become successful as a young, aspiring female entrepreneur. So there's lots of discussion, there's lots of takeaways, and we hope that you enjoy today's show. And as always, please check out our Facebook and Instagram feeds for additional content to today's episode. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SPB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, Get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at spbstartup.com. Estefania, welcome back to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you again. Mm-hmm. Thanks. What mistakes do you see Swiss startups making repeatedly when it comes to female entrepreneurship? I think to answer that question, you have to think about more outside the, the startups, but more like a fundamental problem uh, in Switzerland. And I mean, I have to say Switzerland has amazing things uh, like, I don't know, the all the technology that it's been developed here, the higher education, how everything is so advanced in terms of uh, trains and infrastructure. It's really, it's really great. But there are some parts, like especially in the social part, that are still a bit uh, quite in, like in a dangerous position Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually think that if you if if there's no um, solution in these very fundamental problems it will always reflect not only on startups but also on companies so the same problems that companies have startups have uh, educational uh, institutions have like all the layers are going to have the same problem because there are very fundamental problems in terms of gender in Switzerland Mm -hmm. And I mean, my theory of why is that? It's not because Swiss people are uh, not intelligent. It's not because of that. But I think it goes more uh, on like the like the history and uh, the thing. I mean, something very uh, very known is that I mean, Switzerland has never gone through a big war mm-hmm. ever in the recent years so like for like for 200 years switzerland has been in the same position so women were not left back home alone exactly. to run the country basically. so there was nothing that really shake the the, yeah. the country that made change that made things to evolve especially in the social uh, structure uh, it never forced women to take uh, ownership of their families ownership of the their jobs the jobs that men were doing and so on, which actually happened in many countries that had big wars. I mean, all of Europe. I mean, all of Europe was completely shaked 
And the moment that men had to go to the army and to fight, the women were the ones who were taking over all the businesses uh, and, and have to survive by themselves. So it really, it was really like a social change. And I think Switzerland didn't have it. I mean, hope, like, it's a good thing also. It's, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that war is amazing, <laughs> but uh, I'm saying that it, it comes from that point of view. And also the other thing is that in Switzerland you see a lot of like boy clubs and I think it comes from the army because of course, in, I mean, I think nowadays not so much, but back in the days uh, your buddies from the army became your buddies for life and then you in the army you were taught to have this really good brotherhood relationship with the people you went to the army and then you became super good friends and it was like this brotherhood of helping each other and so on. So you really had this really beautiful development during your 20s or earlier or after. And then nowadays what you see in big companies is that in, on the boards, on the big boards, you see the people that, that are there are also the people that were friends in the army that push each other to reach that point and so on. While with women, you didn't have that. You didn't have women that were pushing each other. You didn't have like the sisterhood idea. And that actually made that man became like as a community stronger. And then there was like a gap there. So I think these are all fundamental problems that come from before that really need like a drastic change nowadays, especially because the world is changing drastically in terms of gender. And Switzerland has to to get to there. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem. And yeah, and then you see it in companies, you see it massively in companies, in uh, education, you see it. And of course, the same reflects to startups. The good thing about startups is that because it's something also that it's quite new and quite modern and you see a lot of young people, I see that the startups have the opportunity to really make the change from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But something that makes it not feasible is that actually the people that are giving the funds, which are the VC funds or the like the big yeah, venture funds and so on, they are the ones who are deciding where to give the money. And then, of course, all of these funds are made up of men. And then, of course, men will choose men. It's, I think that was it's the a, case. It's a really, a, it's an unconscious bias, yeah. I have to say. It's not on purpose, but it's, it happens like that. It is like that. Also because, um, I mean, it's very interesting when, when you think about, like, women and men, when something is built by men, it's unconsciously develop for men, unconsciously. I mean, you can even think, you can put any example, software, uh, uh, offices, uh, I don't know, even job descriptions, everything. If, if they are described by men, they will only attract men because they unconsciously, that's, what, what, like, that's the, the reaction, right? And it's the same with every situation. So, of course, if, if the people that are deciding if your startup goes into the second round are men, they, they, you, have to, you have to talk in the same language somehow. While if the people that were deciding will have women and have men, then the situation is completely different. And I mean, and it's the, the same thing not only with men and women. At the end of the day, like, uh, diversity and inclusion is more than just a gender thing. I mean, it's also cultural, it's also age, it's also... Ethnicity is so many different things. I mean, gender is such a small part of it that if you really think about it, it's like a huge, even bigger problem that has to be solved. I think that's a very interesting theory to, to look at it, and that can also explain quite, quite many things. Um, going back to the military service that you also mentioned, 
Um, do you think that the military service should also be mandatory for women? I think it shouldn't be mandatory for anyone. <laughs> That's the other option, yes. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't have a strong opinion about that, to be honest, uh, because I also come from a country that has been in war forever and then there is mandatory and it's like, it's not like here that you go to the army and it's like yes. fun and it's super exciting. No, like back in Colombia, you go to the army and you go to die, basically. So, so for me, I don't know. I mean, if you don't have that army, you wouldn't be able as a country to protect yourself. But at the same time, you are sending people that actually don't want to be there to something and uh, and so on. So, I mean, it's a it's a huge topic that I don't feel comfortable to get into it. Mm -hmm. But but I mean, you also see the, the example of Israel that women also go. And I think like they, them in terms of gender, in the terms of uh, army, they are very well i mean you you see the stories of women that are, have been in charge of like all of these technical things and and that uh, they respect them like men respect them very well and vice versa so i mean you develop different dynamics but hard to answer yeah, yeah. very hard to answer <laughs> but let, let's just say if it's not the army what could sort of replace what the army is for the men what could replace that or be that for women I mean, I, I think the answer shouldn't be, I mean, it's going to be really funny because what I'm going to say now puts in jeopardy my company, but <laughs> but I think it shouldn't be a replicating something for men, for women. Mm -hmm. uh, it should be like a more a community-driven thing. It should be more like a movement from the bottom up, from the society, from the people, from the citizens to build up more communities that are from community to the community, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's, uh, I mean, also in terms of startups and companies and so on, like really the, the dynamic has to change a little bit that it all develops from bottom up and that it's services for the community, for the people and, and thinking about it like in a wider uh, spectrum that not only men, but women, uh, different kind of genders. I mean, actually, I think Facebook has like 18 different types of gender, by the way. <laughs> So it's like thinking about the, the broader. Uh, what we're doing with WeSpace, probably I'm jumping too much, but uh, what we believe, I mean, so, so many people ask us why only for women. And our answer is that, well, first is not only for women, men can also come, you guys are here. We are here now, <laughs> yeah. And man can die by day passes and so on. But from a business perspective, we wanted to fill up a gap because there was no co-working space or office space that was designed by women especially and for women and from a business perspective it's just we were just uh, like uh, entering in a niche and and then we also believe that it shouldn't be ideal that you have to separate like the men women and so on but we also believe that at this point in life you need women need a kick need like a a push. It doesn't mean that you are. You have to give them everything just because they're a woman. No, but there has to be a. We have to arrive to a balance, and the only way to arrive to a balance is by kicking up something, right? Mm -hmm. And what we want to do here is that we want to not replicate this army idea, but but really trying to build up a community for professional women that can support and help each other the same way as men do. So it's just like building up a kick. And the moment that we solve the problem, then we we don't need us anymore, you know. But but until that point happens, then we are needed. 
And I guess that's also one of your biggest motivational drivers behind WeSpace, why you actually do what you do, right? Yes, exactly. You grew up with three sisters and your mom was also a very passionate entrepreneur, always working while raising her children. In, in what way has this family history shaped your, like, let's say, your perception of a female career? Um, it has a big influence because for me, I mean, it's not only my mom, but my grandma also and my aunts. They're all been working women. Uh, even my grandma, she was the head of the family, like financially. And on top of that, she was working. And on top of that, she was a mom. So it's like the only role model that I had when I was growing up. So for me, it was actually strange that a woman stays home taking care of the kids. For, for me, that was like, okay, that didn't happen to me. Probably I was even jealous. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> my mom was never with me. But I mean, I mean, you would think about like, oh, yeah, she sacrificed her family and so on. But but I, I am actually very happy she did it like that because she could pursue her career. She was still aiming for her goals and she had a very meaningful business. And at the same time, I admire her a lot. Um, she also spent time with us in, in her different ways, but she did. And for me, it was more important to admire her than that she was on top of me my whole childhood. And it also shaped us to be very independent, to take care of, like as a community, the sisters, like between the sisters and, and not relying so much on our parents. And, and really, and the moment that I left Colombia, it was, I mean, for me, it was not hard so much because I was already an independent person. And I, and, and for me, for me, it was about to pursuing my goals and my career uh, and my future rather than being sad because I was leaving my past. So, I mean, you can see it in any way, but also people could argue that she was a horrible mom, but I don't think so. And I'm very happy of how she did it. Cool. Yeah. I think nowadays, you know, while, you know, the time uh, emerged a bit and it's still a big challenge for women working, especially also in Switzerland, to still work full time while raising uh, kids, yeah, basically. But that's a more and again a fundamental problem, <laughs> because it's about the how Switzerland is structured that really doesn't allow women to work. B what's broken there, from your perspective? I mean, I mean, first of all, the kitas are super expensive. So when you have kids, you have from the moment they are zero until they are four, you as a woman or as a man also, you have to decide that one of you has to stop working. And of course, because men usually get paid more and they get they progress in their careers faster and so on because of other different issues, but that's the reality. Then, of course, it's the woman that has to kind of step back and stay home. But it's really like a financial problem. It's not because they want to most of the times, it's because they have to, because Kita is very expensive. And and pain. Uh, I mean, I hear a lot of examples that people actually it's more expensive to pay the kita than than to uh, continue with the job. I mean, it's it's very it's a trade off that they have to make a decision. There's no other thing. So I think I think that's that's quite bad. And also the other thing. I mean, also talking more from the man, man perspective. 
And I hear it also from men that they are actually, there's a lot of men that are sad that for them, taking down their percentage in their companies, it looks like they are weak, which is also, it's also like a misunderstanding and a misconception. Because if a woman takes lower percent, it's like, oh yeah, she's a mom and she's taking care of the kids. But if a man takes lower percentage, it's like, oh, he's weak. He's not looking into his career and so on. Which in this sense, it's really... It's really seen that the man has the disadvantage there, but that's how it is here, and 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 they are not going to do it because of that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's really it's again a fundamental problem how everything is structured. So, you know, I mean, Switzerland has obviously some big advantages, but it also sounds like we still have quite a lot of work to do in, in especially this area. Yeah. What would be specific actions that you would recommend to improve the situation? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say that the like the kindergarten, the kita, the daycare, they should be for free and they should be subsidized by the by the government. There's there's that. Uh, I'm not sure how that will work because based on the on how Switzerland uh, is structured that in terms of taxes, I'm not sure that will work that way because in Switzerland it's more like people decide why they want to pay for, so that's why everything is very expensive, but that's why also taxes are very low. But then, I don't know, either they have to increase a little bit and then they cover that. I mean, it's something that I wouldn't, I don't feel very comfortable like discussing it further because I don't have so much information about it, but that's something for sure. And the maternity leave is like something I mean, it should even call, be called parental leave because it should be taken by both and they decide who takes it. And it has to be for more time and it has to be also for, for dads and, and it has to be shared. I don't know, I, I like, the, like the, the, the way in Germany they do it because it's actually a parental leave and then the couple decides who takes it and how, for, not for how long and it's like one year up to two years and I think that really helps quite a bit. So... These kind of small things, which, I mean, at the end of the day, it are big changes, but they are not so difficult to implement. That could help a lot, but yeah. One thing that also comes up uh, quite often recently in Switzerland are uh, the introduction of women quota for companies. Do you think that this is a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, that's a very, very sensitive topic <laughs> because there are pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And there are also different examples. So, for example, um, I think the quotas are very good and they should be implemented, uh, but they should be implemented from a lower... It, it, it has to have like a, a development. You cannot really just jump in the middle and say, okay, now half of men are fired and then let's put only women because it will only come across as men will only react aggressively to this kind of changes. So it has to be something that it has to be very well thought. And and it also has to have like a, a coaching period. So for example, if, if a woman is, is um, it's, uh, it's involved or it's introduced to this deve- new development career and they want to accelerate her career, I think that's amazing but they have to do it very consciously that they coach her in every step of the way. So she manages to, to deliver as much as she can and, and she's trained to that. Because what you see nowadays is that you see examples like, okay, like someone, uh, a woman was uh, um, 
uh, was um, promoted super fast from one day to another to a position that probably she's not ready for uh, just to be able for the company to say, oh, we have a woman that is a bit senior, right? Yeah. And and then they just jump her there and then they put her like in this pool of sharks, kind of. And then, of course, if she's not delivering well enough, then everyone is going to start criticizing and start saying like, oh, women just get promoted because they're women and so on. So you want to avoid this kind of thing. So I think that, yeah, they should involve, in, introduce quotas, but they should do it in a very conscious way that you really, because it's not normal to have like a lot of women in managing positions and, and in very in higher positions, but because it's not normal, you have to, you have to coach them to arrive there mm -hmm. without really just putting their, like jumping them into, into yeah. the shark tank, some kind of <laughs> thing. I, I don't know how to explain it, but, but yeah, I, I do think it has to be done, but it has to be done very consciously and for the sake of the company, for the sake of the development, uh, professional development of the person and also the other people have to like the her colleagues men colleagues have to also be involved in the process so it's not like that oh yeah she was jump and she was put there and no one knows and, and they start getting jealous and they start like making her life miserable because you see these situations so but it has to be like in a way that they are also involved in the whole process and they're also like helping and teaching her to how to like do this development and I think the moment that I mean, in a few years, hopefully, it, it, that wouldn't be necessary because there will be enough women like, that will come at the same time as men and then you don't need this whole quota thing or, 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 or implementations anymore. But nowadays you need it. Yeah. But it has to be done consciously, otherwise it just backfires the whole system. I think this is a very good explanation. So it's like a two-sided uh, sword, basically. Uh, it can turn out very well to, to actually support the development, but it can also backfire if you use the wrong, or took the wrong messages or incentives from, from that message. Exactly. Uh, and you're actually right. There are only like 20% female uh, top executives in Switzerland, which is very, very low compared to other countries that are much more advanced in that regard. You mentioned community, you mentioned um, the, the quota, but executed in a good way and also including the men. Is there anything else that comes to mind in order to support a, a rising quota in that regard to reach a more 50-50 alignment? I think it also comes in the education of young kids uh, because I think it, it has to start coming across from that moment mm -hmm. and how, how in schools, I mean, I can sound like a very old person right now, but <laughs> like how uh, they teach uh, kids in school, like uh, all of these diversity topics that you're equal, that uh, to stop giving uh, girls pink things because they, and princesses things because they have to be princesses and they have to behave. So then you kind of make them, and then to men, to boys, like the, a superhero because they're saving the world no i mean we're all saving the world i mean it should be like they should educate in the in an equal way i'm not saying that men and women are the same we do we are different but the education and, and the learnings that they that have to come across have to come equal so they they know that they are they they have to treat each other in the same way they have to respect each other that they know that they are both capable of doing the same things, that they are both superheroes and, and so on. And I think it really comes from there. And I think if 
that's tackled in that age, I think we won't have to do anything in the, in the, in the later stage. So if you already solved the problem when they are very small, then you solve the problem almost forever. So that would be a good investment for the future. Yeah. But education is not only happening at school, parents also play a very important role in that regard. And yeah. your parents have been entrepreneurs, both of them. I mean, what, what, where do you see the role of the parents and how can they shape you in order to, to reach a, a more diverse culture later on in, in the business world? Um, I don't know if this is related to diversity, but I, something that I really appreciated that my parents did was to treat us very independently, that telling us that we are capable of doing whatever we want mm -hmm. and that we have to take control of our own lives also. And that if we, if we have to survive one day alone, we can do it because we are capable of doing it. We are smart enough. We are, uh, we've been... Uh, educated well enough to reach that thing, that goal, mm -hmm. and I think that is something that usually it's not, it's not taught to women. Maybe when they are kids, because it's, I don't know. I think it's more something it's taught to men that ah, oh, okay, you are uh, fearless enough, and you are independent, and you are strong, and you can do whatever you want. But I think for us it was like that, and then it, it's all of this mindset of being independent and being like. Uh, like um, yeah, independent enough to take care of yourself and to do whatever you want and whatever purpose you want. Of course, you have your family always there and they will always support you. But if you want to reach a goal, you're the only one who can actually make it. So, yeah. Do, do you think that this is also the reason why there are less female entrepreneurs starting new companies? That like less women or girls got that message and checked it when they were young? Could be many things actually. I, I don't want to like stick to one uh, cause of the of the of the current situation. But uh, one other thing could be that we women we are m more we think more into the future and we like being more um, to have everything very set and sound uh, because we think more about our future, our family, or having kids and so on. Mm -hmm. So we are a bit less bold and we are more risk averse in that sense because we want to reach a point that we can have everything very well structured to be able to have a family which is not a bad thing but it also comes together that you are not taking any risk and it also comes together that you're not going to jump into building up a startup so it, it could be that it could also be other different reasons but but that's one that could be uh, and yes I mean we are less risk averse that's that's like that and 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 I think we jump less um, but but it's always a good time to start so why not that's a good message yeah. absolutely and we, we see that this is a very complex and also not very clear or easy uh, topic I think we both agree that there should be more women in uh, leadership positions than they are right now but how to actually get there and what the causes are for this situation that we currently have is not too easy to explain, actually. No, it's not. Also because there are so many factors that you cannot generalize what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Especially you have to always think about locally where you are. And I think in every country, the, 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 the situation is very different and the causes can be very different. Mm -hmm. So it's a very complex problem, uh, to be honest. And 
but it's it all comes down to how much flexibility you give to the citizens you give to the women how much support the governments give um, how much or, or how good education you give to the kids and, and so on and I mean it's also a cultural thing so at the end it's it's very complex yeah absolutely what would you recommend to an aspiring female entrepreneur uh, like what recommendations what tips would you give to her uh, in order to become a successful entrepreneur I would say jump try it out because the worst that can happen is that it doesn't work but you will learn a lot Mm -hmm. and yeah and then just do it just try it out I mean you will always learn one also very fascinating quote that I read about you when we did the research was that one of your board members said that you should always ask yourself what's the bolder version of my next action can you elaborate on that a bit <laughs> uh, yeah I think it's a bit of challenging yourself in every step mm -hmm. And I think this is a very personal thing that I have. I always have to have a challenge in my life, in my next step. If I don't have a challenge, I get bored. So so I'm always like challenging myself and saying, okay, what would I not do? And, and what would take me to the next level that probably it's very scary, but what would make that happen? So I'm always like kind of having a game with myself. So yeah, which is a bit strange, I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You have to be self-reflective and understand how you work best, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, sometimes it has backfired me, but <laughs> but most of the time it has been always a good experience. Is there anything else that we have not talked about or that you would like to add on the topic of female entrepreneurship? Not really. I, I do think that in that in Switzerland we do need to have more. I mean, I'm not only talking about... Uh, female entrepreneurs but actually co-founders and like women in leadership and like actually women that are that are powerful and that are really taking uh, the step forward and are driving the big things uh, because that's the way that the system will change the moment that you have more and more women that are actually driving the whole kind of system then then you will actually see a change and it not only comes across, I mean, it's not only for startups, but also for, for anything. And the good thing about startups is that uh, they move much faster than big companies. Uh, and in terms of, uh, and in things in, in like gender equality, they, their structures can uh, retrofit much faster than a big company. So actually within the startups, there's so much potential to make faster changes than big companies. So I think that's an opportunity. And yeah, I think that should be something startups should, should look forward for. Absolutely. Maybe the, the last thing to really emphasize why this is so important or so crucial for our future devel development can you explain us or tell us why you think that having more diversity in executive roles, but also in co-founding teams and startups in general, is so important? I mean, it comes it comes to a basic principle that every big company or every startup they are all developing products at the end of the day for the people, right? And the people, I mean they are diverse. I mean, communities are diverse, cities are diverse. There's not such thing as one city only for men and one city only for women. And then if you really want to develop the best product you can put into the market, 
uh, you really need to have a team that is developing that product that it's diverse because then you get all the perspectives from everyone, right? And then the moment that you have all the perspective of different people that are represented in your customers, then you actually develop a product that is for all your customers. So it's good for the company, it's good for the business, it's good for the dynamics, and it's good for the people at the end. So that's basically the yeah. reason why. And there's actually a huge, like a lot of research that supports uh, exactly what you just said. So if you want to have and go after a big, a total addressable market, you better have a diverse team. Exactly. In order to conclude this episode, uh, I prepared some fire questions for you uh, where we want to get your opinion with a startup perspective. So I'm going to give you a couple uh, choices, two or two, three to choices that you can, uh, options to choose from. And you can also quickly explain why you made a certain decision in one to two sentences. Are you ready? Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> it's going to be easy, don't worry. United States, Europe or China? For what? From a startup perspective. Oh, wow. In the future, China. Nowadays, the US. Why? I think China is developing so fast that from a startup perspective and from it's like the place to be in the future. Just And also because, I mean, only that part of in that region of the world is like where most of the population, world population is. Uh, and then that's also where a lot of technology is advancing quite fast. And at the same time, a lot of problems are coming, uh, like population growth and all of these things. So I think from, from a future perspective, you definitely, if you are aiming for a big company uh, that is going to go, go globally, you definitely have to go to China as soon as possible. It's not a very easy market to get into it, especially nowadays. They are quite... <laughs> They want to yeah. keep things very local, but but yeah, definitely. Uh, and nowadays, I would say the U.S. because it's been the market that has been pioneer in everything that comes to ventures, startups, and so on. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to develop something there because uh, Europe it's quite still quite very conservative. And also in the U.S., uh, failing it's seen as as a good thing, while here in Europe, failing is like. You, you destroyed your career somehow. It's the so, end of the world, basically. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's a lot of opportunities in that sense because people are starting to realize that and companies also and VC funds and all the startup ecosystem is, try, is starting to realize that they have to change. So there's also a lot of opportunity there. So actually, I chose the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just depends on the, the perfect timing yeah, for each all, of the markets. It's, it's all about perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So let's see what you choose next. Motivation or discipline? Motivation. Why? Because you have to have a drive. You have to have something that inspires you, that makes you wake up every day in the morning. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to startups, I mean, it's a roller coaster. There are days that you are completely down and sad. And the only thing that will make you wake up the next day in the morning, it's having a motivation. Yeah. Because, I mean, discipline, I mean, that you can also argue that creative people have no discipline. So... Uh, so, I mean, for me, it's more the motivation and the drive. Cool. Work-life balance or 80-hour work week? <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you define by work-life balance, because there's people that would say that in their free time, they like working also, mm -hmm. if, they are, if what they're doing is what they love, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I do agree that you have to do what you love, 
and if you love what you're doing you won't need like a like a pause of sure. that yeah so but if you're working in something that it doesn't really fulfill you 100% only yeah. like 80% then you would yeah you need like a work life balance you need to distract yourself from from things makes sense so it also depends the perspective <laughs> about perspective small 10 people teams or large 100 or 1000 people teams start with a small 10 people team <laughs> and the moment that you achieve a very good uh, employee environment then go bigger male or female founders <laughs> both <laughs> that's a good answer <laughs> And the last one, bootstrapping or VC money? Try bootstrapping first. And if it really, you reach to a point that you cannot go further, then VC money. But really always try to take as much as you want from your own uh, resources or from bootstrapping or for getting partnerships, sponsorships and so on. And then the moment that it's really like no way, then you go into VC. Cool. Is there anything that you would like to add uh, to the end of this episode? No, I would like to say thank you very much for having me. And I hope I answer all the questions as you wanted. Thanks so much for having us, actually. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And we're very curious to see what you will tackle on in the future. And looking forward to hear and read about you uh, very soon. Yeah, let's see. All the best. Thank you, Estefania. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We hope you liked the content. And if you did, please rate us on Apple Podcast. We would highly appreciate that. Next week, we'll already be back with a new episode, a Q&A session. Check out our social media channels for handing in your questions to the topic that we will discuss next week and get them answered by top experts out of our network. If you have a burning question, that's the time to ask it and get it answered from professionals. So we hope to see you again next week for an all new Swisspreneur episode.